20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone. What is up? Welcome to episode number 221 of the Pack a Day Podcast. And I say the with a little emphasis because. We are the only Pack-A-Day podcast out there, obviously, but we're also one of the most original, you know, considering we got we got new voices every single day. I mean, what, what more do you want? But anyways, episode number 221, we are here today. It is Sunday. If you are listening to this, of course, on Sunday, or maybe you couldn't, maybe it's Monday, who knows? And as you guys, I'm sure you're well aware, typically my colleague Jacob Westendorf rings us in every every Sunday for the for our episode and uh, gets the ball rolling, but he is dealing with some pretty hefty migraines, so I am running solo tonight, it is obviously the least I can do because of how many how many times I've made him run solo, because I've something's come up for me, or I wasn't feeling too great, so Jacob, you are in our thoughts, and the Lakers are losing right now, so I am sure you are just very happy about that, because I know you hate LeBron, and I know you hate the Lakers. Maybe you don't hate LeBron. I I don't know. I can't remember anymore. But anyways, hello everyone. You are stuck with me for the next 20 to 25 minutes. So I am truly sorry about that. But the good news is we are in the heart of the 2019 NFL scouting combine taking place as I speak in Indianapolis. Obviously, there's no on-field training drills going on right now as I speak. But you guys get the point. It's an exciting time for the draft buffs who put in work year-round. I mean, these, some of these guys eat, breathe, and sleep the NFL draft. So we are getting to the point where all of their work culminates into just a, a, a couple of great nights of these prospects landing their, their dream job of playing in the NFL and inking that first NFL contract in the, in the ensuing weeks. It truly is one of the most exciting times. So... On that note, I would be doing this show, the draft, the combine, everything related to anything football if I didn't kick off the podcast by talking about Ole Miss wide receiver DK Metcalf. The guy's built like a superhero. He performed like a superhero at the combine on Saturday during the wide receiver drills. And you know, I'm going to I'm going to read off just just how well he did, okay? Not even just how well he did, just where, where he ranks his weight, his height. He's 6'3", 228 pounds. He ranked in the 93rd percentile and above in the following categories. The bench press, where he was in the 99th percentile. Weight, wingspan, arm length, 40-yard dash, which I believe he clocked a 4-3-3, which is just absolutely freaking bananas, okay? And the vertical and broad jump. So he had himself just a hell of a combine, and his draft stock just completely skyrocketed from that point. That, that's that's the thing with a lot of these guys. You know, you, they might not be flying under the radar, but they're some of the lesser talked about guys, obviously. You know, especially with wide receivers. You know, it's kind of a mixed bag this year, but it's a very deep class. Okay, Metcalf is kind of talked about right now as a consensus top 10 pick okay that should just give you 
a slight hint at just how good his combine was, okay? And, and John Gruden apparently has a man crush on him, so he's probably not getting past the Raiders who own that fourth overall pick, the, the one of their three first-round picks. And, yeah, three first-round picks, I know. That's from, from the, the Khalil Mack trade, the Amari Cooper trade. And, meanwhile, the Packers are only sitting with two first-round picks. Boo freaking who? So anybody hoping, praying, their fingers are crossed, their toes are crossed, their eyes are crossed, whatever, that he falls to number 12 where the Packers can get him, it's you know it's not out of the realm of possibility, obviously, but it's also kind of unlikely at this point because this guy is going to be a freak in the NFL. Now, obviously, you know, you can be the best, the top-built guy. You can be built like Superman. All of that doesn't really matter if you can't play football at the next level. You can't play at the professional level. So a lot more goes into the wide receiver position, you know, in terms of body control, catching the football, running routes, getting separation. And, you know, people are obviously hoping if he's going to be a consensus consensus top 10 pick after uh, Saturday that he will excel at all those things. But everyone's getting the David Boston vibes just because of, you know, how he's built in his arms. He's, the guy's the guy's a freaking monster, okay? I mean, I tweeted, yeah, sure, DK Metcalf at 12, let's let's get stupid. That would definitely be stupid, okay? I was c- completely joking, but, you know, there's obviously that whole realm of Packers Twitter who takes things seriously and gets upset thinking I'm serious, but it doesn't really matter. I don't see the Packers making a move for a wide receiver that early. I don't see them making a move for a wide receiver at 30 either. The Packers own the 12th and 30th overall picks. If the Packers land a wide receiver with any of those two first-round picks, then I will delete my Twitter account, and you all can hold me to that. Cut this up as a sound bit. Do whatever you want to do. I know you guys like to hold grudges sometimes. Do what you want to do. It's not going to happen. Now, obviously, it's very hard to kind of assume what the Packers are going to do. That's the point of these mock drafts, just to have fun. And in many mock drafts, Florida edge rusher Jachai Polite has gone at number 12 to the Packers. And he, speaking of consensus, he seems like he is the universal pick at number 12 for the Packers, at least amongst fans. Everyone wants him. And nothing he said on Saturday changed my mind about that because I'm fully on board with Jachai Polite at 12. Maybe a little more hesitance now because he, what he did in, in the combine interviews you know the the the, the pre-drill interviews that they had on saturday the outside linebackers and the, the defensive linemen they all run their drills on sunday um he kind of didn't really make a great impression with the media he he said um there were some teams that he interviewed with that kind of brought up his bad plays they were you know they were saying bad things about him they were kind of he felt like they were kind of roasting him, it seems like. And he didn't really like that. One team specifically he said he met with was the 49ers, and all they did was bash him. Teams brought up his, his, you know, his poor plays, which obviously, when your scouts, your general managers, you're meeting with these prospects that you're going to invest high draft capital on, guys that you have very highly ranked on your board, yeah, you're going to do a little background work on the guy. You're going to... You're gonna kind of instigate things a little bit, and you're gonna kind of, kind of, kind of push him. You're gonna give him a little nudge, you know, see how he reacts to certain situations and certain things that are brought up against him. And look, 
polite today or on Saturday. He didn't really respond well to any kind of criticism teams uh, offer or offered up his way. He met with the Rams as well. He confirmed that. He said he loved Sean McVay. He loved his meeting with the Rams, assuming they all talked nothing about you know nothing about anything else, just specifically football. He confirmed he met with the Packers. So you can safely assume the Packers are probably one of those teams that you know po- prodded at him a little bit, which is completely fine. You should be doing that with these prospects, okay? You want to know what you're bringing into your locker room and what you are signing up for, what you are investing millions and millions of dollars for to have this guy on your team and have him be a productive player. Now, if you get somebody who gets shows any possible vibe, any sign of being uncoachable, then you don't pull the trigger, okay? I still would, okay? I'm not really bothered by it. I'm not bothered by, you know, if he's sensitive about certain things, that's fine. It is what it is. Some guys are just built differently, both on and off the field. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not to say the Packers don't have a problem with that. It's not to say Brian Gutekunst didn't like the impression he gave off or any of their scouts. I think someone like that, their production will outweigh the possibility that you have to coach this guy up a little bit. You have to kind of help mold him into a professional. You know, these guys are... These guys are younger than me, and I am 24 now, okay? These guys are coming out of college at 21, 22 years old. You know, they're stepping into the real world now for good. They're, they're inking a million-dollar contract with a professional football team. They are, some of these guys in the first round, they are going to be the face of that franchise for the foreseeable future. So they're kind of getting their sea legs under them a little bit. And that doesn't mean these teams asking them, critical questions and you know finding out who it is that you were going to select in the first round that doesn't mean they're wrong either there really is no wrong party in this so all, all of the outrage about it about polite house answers and the sensitivity on his end you know, it, who cares it's not like antonio brown this 30 plus year old wide receiver who's given all that attitude vibes and and bashing his former organization you know you know what you're getting with Antonio Brown you know you're getting a guy on the wrong side of 30 who you're gonna break the bank for more than likely and who really needs a change of scenery you know you have nine seasons of Antonio Brown to to base those assumptions off of you don't know what you have with polite so asking these questions are necessary they're 100% necessary and that that's really as far as that goes. I don't I don't see any wrong party in this. Now transitioning topics here. You go from the draft to the Packers tight end position. And where they currently sit right now with their roster in terms of that. They have Okay, Lance Kendricks is going to be a free agent. Mercedes Lewis is going to be a free agent. That leaves the cupboard the cupboard bare. You have Jimmy Graham, Robert Tunyon, and undrafted free agent Evan Bayless. That is the Packers roster situation at tight end right now. So does that warrant spending a top 30 pick on a tight end? Because Noah Fant, okay, the the two Iowa tight ends, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, one of them impressed more than the other at the combine, okay? Fant, he was just an athletic freak, a total specimen. He ran a fantastic 40-yard dash. Hawkinson clocked in at 470. Um, but Fant, he, he would just completely thrive 
in an offense under Matt LaFleur with Aaron Rodgers. He would give Rodgers that athletic freak of nature tight end that he hasn't had since Jermichael Finley. And his career ended in 2013. Since then, the Packers have relied on you know, guys like uh, Richard Rodgers, Andrew Corliss, a couple of, you know, some, some free agent experiments who, since 2016, the Packers have signed Jared Cook, Martellus Bennett, Lance Kendricks, Graham Lewis, and the only one that's going to be left going into 2019 is Graham. Assuming that they do pick up it, you know, his roster bonus due at the start of the new league year, and they pay him his money, and they want him in town for that second season. He signed a three-year, $30 million contract. So he's going to be around for, for a, a little while. Now is the perfect time to draft someone to pair with Graham. You get a rookie tight end, whether it's Fant, Hawkinson, or, or Irv Smith Jr. out of Alabama, who also had a fantastic combine on Saturday. You get either one of those guys, you give them a season where they don't need to step in right away, they can learn behind Graham, and Rodgers, to close the final chapter of his career, he gets that, that young, freaky tight end that he hasn't had in years. That's who he gets to end his career with. Because Rodgers, he's entering his age 36 season. He's going to be the same age Brett Favre was when they drafted Rodgers in 2005. Okay, and I think that concept kind of flies over a lot of people's heads when they take into account Rodgers' age. You know, it, it's not 2011 anymore. Rodgers isn't going to light the league up the way he used to, but you can surround him with the best weaponry possible to give him the best possible chance of doing that. In a new offense with new toys at tight end or, or wide receiver, what have you, whatever they want to do, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to, need to make those those crazy throws like he used to make, okay? New offense, new toys to play with. He just has to be productive. He has to make the throws that are there available to him. So if you give him a tight end that can separate, someone like Noah Fant, someone like TJ Hawkinson, and Hawkinson isn't afraid to block, okay? The Packers need to block in tight end. Jimmy Graham ain't doing that anymore. That ain't his thing. It wasn't his thing in 2018, okay? Everyone saw that. And it should be noted, too, that Graham last season, he... Had a very productive season. Maybe not on tape, but statistically speaking, he had the most productive season by a Packers tight end since uh, Jermichael Finley in 2012. So, Graham, 636 yards. He played with a banged-up knee throughout the season that constantly needed maintenance. He eventually played with a split, a splint on his thumb, a broken thumb, which he shouldn't have been out there in the first place. I mean, it, you put out Robert Tunyon, bring him out there, you get him more playing time, he can put more stuff on tape. And maybe at that point... I have a better feeling of the Packers' tight end position. And maybe then I don't receive tweets saying that Graham and Tunyon and the Packers are set at tight end for 2019. Okay, Tunyon hasn't showed much. He has that one catch that was 54 yards. 54 of his total 77, I think, is his career total, all from last season. I just don't think he's put enough on tape yet to be considered a tight, a tight end too. Someone that can back up Jimmy Graham and someone who can step in and, and fill that void right there. Okay, And in a deep tight end class like this, now is the time to tackle it. Now is the time to just re finally replace Finley. Enough with the free agent tight end experiments. And enough with the, the narrative that Robert Tunyon is going to be this... Crazy light him up guy, this superstar. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Andy. Okay, if you're listening to this, Andy Herman, 
I am sorry, okay? I am not a believer in Robert Tunyon, and I have not seen enough to convince me otherwise. And sure, you can take someone like Jay Sternberger in the, in the, maybe in the third round if he falls there. You could take someone like Caleb Wilson maybe in, in the third or fourth. Yes, but neither of those guys. Look, the hit rate on mid-round tight ends is astronomical, okay? As opposed to first-round tight ends. I mean, in 2007, it was Greg Olson that was really the last productive tight end that was drafted in the first round. But last, you know, a couple years ago, that class with Evan Ingram, David Njoku, and O.J. Howard, that group has potential. There's a lot of potential radiating from those guys. There have been 229 tight ends drafted since 2003. Okay, that's just over 14 per year. So, you take a tight end in the mid-round somewhere, your hit rate you know, on landing someone that can truly benefit your team and help your offense. Hey, you got guys like George Kittle, obviously, in the fifth round. You got Rob Gronkowski you know, early. You have tons of guys that have been the exception to that. But not nearly enough when you take into account the average drafted on a yearly basis or how many have been drafted since 2003, like I just mentioned. So... First rounders, there have been 22 since 2000. Okay, and there's been some good names in there too. The Packers took Bubba Franks in 2000. Todd Heap, Jeremy Shockey, Dallas Clark. Heath Miller was solid in Pittsburgh for several years. Vernon Davis, a freak of nature. Tyler Eifert in 2013. Eric Ebron in 2014. Now Eifert, he was, when he was healthy in 2015, he was just, he was balling out. In Cincinnati, okay? And Ebron, he was with an incompetent organization for, for a good while. And he got new life with the Colts last season, and he lit it up as well. So, obviously, it took a little change of scenery to really channel Ebron's potential. But the Packers, obviously, a little differently ran than the, than the Lions, okay? But the point is, you have a lot better chance of nailing a first-round tight end or even a second-round tight end, okay? If Irv Smith Jr. falls to 44 with the Packers pick in the second round, yeah, I'm all for it. Sign me up. But you got to aim high for a tight end, okay? Game changers like that aren't going to be available in the mid-rounds. And I'll leave my words. If Sternberger ends up being great or someone else, whatever, I will gladly eat my words. I just would really prefer that the Packers invest in that position with potentially even you know, a top 76 pick. Their third round selection falls at number 76, so I think that would be ideal. Now, speaking of investing capital in new positions of need, Andy Herman, as you know, he posted a tweet uh, Saturday morning. You have $40. Now, I haven't discussed this with him directly, but I'm assuming the $40 is the, the presumed amount that the Packers will have to spend in free agency just on a much smaller scale, we'll say forty million. They're sitting at just north of thirty-six million right now. So they're, you know, that's without dumping the contracts that are, you know, on the books right now. That's without restructuring Nick Perry, who whether or not they post June first cut him, who knows what's going to happen with him. But that thirty-six million number is without, or no, that's with Randall Cobb and with Clay Matthews on the roster. So I'm just going to pretend he meant forty, forty million, forty dollars on that that kind of scale, but. Okay, this is going to be a hefty list, and I'm going to read off. Bear with me here. 
Trey, Fal- uh, Trey Flowers, $17. Earl Thomas, $14. Roger Saffold and Landon Collins and Le'Veon Bell, all, tw- all $12. Anthony Barr, $11. Golden Tate, $10. LaMarcus Joyner, $9. Dante Fowler, John Brown, Adrian Amos, Shaq Barrett, and Zadarius Smith, all $8. Jared Cook, $7. Rashad Breeland and Trey Boston, $6. Clay Matthews, $5. And Mohamed Wilkerson, $4. Not 44, 4. So if your ears aren't bleeding yet and you just listen to me and read off that whole list, you guys can respond in, in the comments at Cheesehead TV when this posts. You guys can reply under the tweet when this shares on Twitter. You can do what you want. But now you have that list there. You are really kind of opening the books to whatever the Packers want to do with free agency. There, nothing they want to do will be dictated by finances, okay? They have the money to spend. They have the money to sign a couple big contracts. They can do what they want, which is very hilarious, you know, to point out because all the Bears fans pointing out last season that Aaron Rodgers is going to completely eat up the Packers' salary cap and they won't be able to afford anyone else in free agency or anything along those lines. And now the Packers have the most cap space in the NFC North. Funny how that works. And the Bears still are going to end up signing Mitchell Trubisky to a big contract once his rookie deal is up so that that is even more comedy right there and i'm sure the packers were licking their lips at that they got to play against jay cutler 2.0 twice every year um anyways my selections personally from me as soon as i saw the list i knew who i wanted okay earl thomas at 14 dollars he's gonna command probably 15 million on the market that report came out on saturday Whatever. You get that game-changing safety on the back end of your defense. You That completely opens the door to anything you want to run that makes really relatively every position better. You get that center field safety that the Packers haven't had at free safety since Nick Collins' career ended eight years ago. They've been trying to replace him and to no avail. Earl Thomas reminds me a lot of when the Packers brought Charles Woodson in in 2006. That guy, dude, over, over the age of 30, you know, he's kind of coming off injuries He's kind of a, a, a he's, he's a big name, and look what happened. Woodson ended up being the defensive player of the year three years later in 2009. So Earl Thomas fills a significant void in the Packers' defense in the back end of their secondary, and it's fourteen dollars right there. Then next up on the list, coincidentally, right after Thomas, I would pick Roger Staffel, the Los Angeles Rams guard from last season. I almost said St. Louis Rams. I am living in the past, but. He costs $12, so that gives me $26. Now, the Packers have a few options of guard, really. They can take they can take Dalton Reisner in the draft, put him at, at interior guard for a season. When Brian Bulaga's contract expires in 2020, you're kicking out to right tackle, and you have Bulaga's future replacement. Because we all know it's not going to be Jason Spriggs, okay? Even though he did flash a couple times last season. I will point that out. But that's my solution at interior guard for, for right now. The Packers... Buys them more time to to eventually draft that that guard replacement. Okay, so that puts me at twenty six dollars. My next investment, Dante Fowler. He costs eight dollars. That puts me at thirty four dollars. That's Dante Fowler, edge rusher. Spent you know most of his career with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Got shipped off to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I believe at the trade deadline last year, if I'm not mistaken. And he he's a solid player at his position that gives the Packers a you know someone who's been in the league for a few years someone who can come off the edge and you know be a force so 
on top of drafting a guy, you got, let's say the Packers take Jachai Polite at 12. You got Dante Fowler on the other edge. I think that's a solid tandem right there. And you got Kyler Fackrell for depth. Whatever happens with Reggie Gilbert, who knows. But the Packers aren't limited to one edge rusher in free agency. Okay, I'll point that out as well. So right now I'm sitting at $34. Now my next move, I'm going for the cheapest guy on the list. Mohamed Wilkerson. $4. The only $4 player on the list. That's going to be my guy. That gives me $38. I don't need the other two. You can tip it. Give, give it. give it to charity. Do whatever you want with it. I don't need the $40. Two left over. I'll take 38 Okay. Muhammad Wilkerson's season ended last year in week three. It was a crazy ankle injury. Uh, Kentrell Bryce rolled up on him against the Washington Redskins. And you really only got two games out of him. You know, it's two games plus, I should say. And, you know, it was a big deal because that's – the best teams in this league, they have deep defensive lines, okay? Guys that can rotate in and out. It's what the Eagles had in 2017 when they won the Super Bowl. They had deep defensive line that they can shuffle guys around and they'll have no issues, okay? Bring Muhammad Wilkerson back. Maybe if Ed Oliver falls to 12, you take Ed Oliver, have him fill in. You know, you got Kenny Clark. You got Mike Daniels whose contract expires next year. He's also nearing 30. The guy isn't getting any younger. The Packers could use that rotational depth on the defensive line. That also helps their pass rush. Wilkerson did look good as well in his first two games against the Bears and the Vikings. You know, an injury happened the following week against the Redskins. And you reunite him again with his former defensive coordinator with the New York Jets, Mike Pettin, who is still the defensive coordinator in Green Bay. And I was ecstatic. When they, uh, when Matt Lafleur decided to retain Pettin, prevents the Packers from learning a new defense and having a third coordinator in three years. There's that that consistency there, that these defensive players, this young young defense, I should say, with a lot of a lot of talent on it, they don't have to deal with another learning curve. Okay, so reunite reunite Wilkerson with his defensive coordinator. And bring him back, get him another shot at having that that kind of prove it deal with the Packers, and uh, that's it. Thirty eight bucks. That's all I need, guys. Now you can, like I said, you can reply in the comments at Cheesehead TV beneath this post. You can reply beneath the tweet on Twitter. Do what you do as you please. It's a free country. We want to hear your spending budget, how you would address free agency with forty dollars on with that list of players. So. If you're looking for that tweet, just go to uh, Scani Sports. That's his handle. Look up the tweet. Scroll down a little bit. Do what you got to do. It's right there. And like I said, reply below. That's going to be it, guys, for episode number 221 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We are going to pack it in here. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, I have a flu solo today. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. I hope I wasn't too disappointing and too boring and rambled on too much. But Feel free to leave a nice review, rate the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. And everyone else says I want to close out the show, so I guess I have to too. As always, go pack. Wait! Wait, 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 wait. If you guys want to, you can follow me as well. You can tell I'm not used to closing out the show, okay? It's the first time I've done this. You guys can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Zach A. Jacobson. That's Z-A-C-H. And that should be it. So as always, we'll try this again. As always, go Pack Go. Sunday night football. 
in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun. Here's the snap. Rushes on. Rodgers nowhere to go, and he's snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack. And Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Down at 19 from the Green Bay 30. Snap to Kaiser under pressure. Immediately dumps it up right side. It's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15 to the 10. He's to the 5 to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Max had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. to go in the third Chicago 20 Green Bay nothing Wayne I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing well, that's a good sign yep he is of the shotgun snap to A-Rod looking downfield throws it over the middle Randall Cobb is there makes a spinning grab just outside the left hand mark J.K. Scott Mason Crosby here's the snap placement made kick is up and it is good so the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod looking around and waiting. Lost it. Deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown. What a throw and what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Allison. Corey Lindsley on the snap. Four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks. Lost. Left side. Got a man out there. Got a He's hit, he's doubled, he fumbles, it's Green Bay football, the game!